One, two. Do you want to give us a sound check yes, there? Yes, one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two. One, two. Yeah, this is me talking. Um, Just a lot of one, that. twos and one, twos yeah. and one, twos. This is a binary podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. Uh, welcome to Monsters of Talk. I'm Margaret Cho. I'm here with my co-host. Uh, Jim Short. Hello. And we are so we, excited. We haven't ironed this out yet. We, we, haven't, we, haven't, we, we haven't just sort of riff every time. Yeah. Well, no, it's so exciting because today we have a very special guest. Very exciting. Very this exciting guest. Our friend, Jim's friend, and then who I have just met a couple times. But I'm so excited because I saw that, well, our guest is Will Anderson. Hello. Uh, can I just say before you say what you're going to say, yeah. I love the start of your podcast more than I love any other podcast because it is that thing of you still haven't quite worked out when you talk. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. When know. do I say my name? Yeah. There's that awkward little and it, <laughs> and, and it and it's delightful. It's kind of like, I don't know if you ever, like the girls at school when you, you're at like primary school, mm-hmm. they used to do skipping with a big rope. Oh, yeah. And you would see someone on the side and they'd be trying to get into the rhythm about <laughs> right, a run into right, the right, giant right. rope. Yes. And it still feels like, you know, occasionally you're just running into the rope. At yes, the start of your own yeah, yeah. podcast, and I love it. <laughs> well, imagine growing up in the age of double Dutch. Right. That I'm always oh. awkwardly hesitant. <laughs> Everything <laughs> I do. It, can I get it? Wait, oh, I, now, oh, uh, 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 head moving back and forth. That's what we should call it, running into the rope. Right. <laughs> <laughs> We haven't we have we haven't figured everything out. Well, you've done quite a few. We've got, you have you have a wonderful podcast, a uh, thirty odd foot of podcast. Yeah, that's, that's the, right. We, that's the greatest name ever. That's we, the greatest. We name. just call it uh, we just call it Tofop, and um, at the moment it's in Fofop mode because uh, my original co-host has had to leave for a while. Uh, so if we feel like we're in like kind of the faux universe. It's now Fofop uh, with special guest hosts. But uh, in, originally we were just coming up for a name for the podcast. You know, mm. we just because the podcast is about nonsense. We just talk about anything. You know, right. there's no specific topic we're going to get to or anything. And so Russell Crowe had a band called Thirty yes. Odd Foot of Grunts. Yes. Yeah. Right? Right? Toe yes. fog. But my favorite <laughs> a fact about Russell Crowe's band is that he then changed his band and he got rid of the 30-odd foot of grunts and he replaced them with a band called The Ordinary Fear of God. So he could keep the toe fog T-shirts because oh. it's the same. <laughs> so it's the same the initials, right? He, did, yeah. he didn't want to get new screen printing right. done. I've already got all these toe fog T-shirts. What yeah. else can I make? I'm, I'm not sold out yet, mate. So he, I just want to see him up all night with the with the with the yellow you know no, right. legal pad of paper and a pen right. going to uh, to 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 on uh, turn on the fucking oh shit. <laughs> Grog, grog, grog works. Ah, oh, fuck. Fuck it. <laughs> he just throws just, shit across the room. Just throw the phone at it. Is that what he threw? He threw a phone. He threw a yeah. phone at someone's head in a in a hotel in New York City, right? Yeah, that's uh, that's what I always love. And this is because pe- some people don't know the difference between New Zealanders and Australians, and yes. people always try to like, mm. yeah, what is the difference between New Zealand and Australia? And I always say, when Russell Crowe won his Oscar, he was Australian, and when he threw the phone, he was from New Zealand. <laughs> I said that. I said that too. He's yeah. a, he's a throwing a phone throwing wanker from, from Wellington, bloody New Zealand. Yeah, exactly. But when he wins awards, good on you, mate. Right on. <laughs> Is yeah. there a big? Is there a? Is there a rivalry? Yes. I don't know. I think it's the like antipodes a, is all being the antipodes. No, it's like uh, it's there's there's a very Canada US thing going on. Oh, right. okay. And they're Canada. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> right. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> like most of the time, and they're not even Vancouver. Right. They're like yeah. you know like uh, uh, way up the top. Yeah, Nova yeah. Scotia. 
mm-hmm. yeah. So there, there's definitely a, a little bit of a rivalry between the uh, the two countries. In fact, my favourite example of the rivalry is that Australia has its own version of that TV show, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, mm-hmm. right? And it's hosted by a guy called Eddie Maguire, who's a very big TV star in Australia. New Zealand doesn't have its own version. Mm-hmm. So New Zealand players would come over and play the Australian version. But the audience, of course, are all Australians because it's in Australia. Yeah. So there was this Kiwi who made it to the million-dollar question and he still had two <laughs> lifelines left. He had the phone-a-friend lifeline mm-hmm. and he had the ask-the-audience lifeline. So he's phoned his friend in New Zealand who didn't know the answer. So <laughs> he's gone back to the host and he said, you know what, it's $500,000. That's a lot of money in New Zealand. I'm just going to lock it in and take the, the 500000 And Eddie's just looked at him and he's gone, uh, you have one more lifeline, don't you want to ask the audience? And this Kiwi just looked around at the Australians and just went, nah. <laughs> <laughs> so I know, I know, I know I'm going to get no help from these right. bastards. These guys are going to take me down. So I'm going to take my big lump sum of 500 grand and piss off back to New Zealand yeah. and live like, live like a hobbit king. Mm. It's practical. This is unrelated but sort of related is that I am um, considered the most useless lifeline ever to be on – <laughs> wants to be what? the most useless yes, because i they 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 called my they they some contestant called me i was right. like their lifeline and i i didn't know any of the answers and i didn't know what they were talking about and there was a delay right. oh no so it was not only did i look stupid doing i, I looked hesitant about being stupid oh, right. <laughs> like I, I looked like i was waiting around and then acting stupid that's how bad it was was it somebody you knew that was on the show uh, no, no. I, I was kind of uh, volunteered or whatever. Um, you know, it's a publicity thing. You get to oh, do that okay. and you were like a celebrity lifeline and um, they just call you. You're like one of the one of the, those things. I've never really watched the show and that's why I didn't know any of the questions or any of the answers. Do you remember any of, do you remember what the question was? No. <laughs> I had so it's, it's, little it's, understanding. <laughs> you didn't even look it up it. afterwards. No, like, I didn't even uh, care. That's a moment that's gone from my life right there. <laughs> no, no curiosity. But they, they were looking um, online. It was like try, they were trying to figure out who was the most useless uh, lifeline ever. And it was me. It, wow. It, that, that's. Do you use that in your credits? No, no. I should. She, she's the right. most useless lifeline ever uh, who wants not, to be a millionaire. So, but not so useless because we got to have Will Anderson on our show. Right. Well, yes. thank you. Yeah, yeah. Thank well, you. Well, when I saw, I saw, well, in, um, I guess in the Sydney Opera House, it was in the in the big Sydney, was this at the Sydney Comedy Festival? That's right. It was the Just, Just for Laughs did a Sydney Comedy Festival. Yes. And it was the gala. So it was a huge, huge audience, huge room. And it was very, I think it's a very difficult show to do when, do when there's a gala because you kind of have, you, you have everybody that sort of wants a taste of everything. Right. But you did a set that was so remarkable and it was like, I, you know, when you see a comic and they just kill and it's like so exciting and so, I don't know, it, it, it's like this, this amazing feeling to watch somebody just dominate the Sydney Opera House. Right. <laughs> you were really incredible. <laughs> and then we, we saw each other afterwards and I, I, I was like, oh God, you know, he's so great. And I, I was thinking like, oh God, you know, you must be coming to America a lot now doing shows here but you are you are like have you been coming here all this time well for about the last three years i've been coming about six months of the year Mm -hmm. so uh, you know but kind of i do it in two or three month bursts this is my first time i've gone out to places that aren't sort of you know new york and la and san francisco and those sort of things Mm -hmm. like i just did a week in denver and before that i was a week in minneapolis and i'm like oh yeah these are places that like oh my god there's snow like there was a weather forecast in Minneapolis right. and the, 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 it was sunny and zero. 
I yeah. was like, Sunny and Zero? <laughs> yeah. Like the little sun on the news had like a smile on it. Like in, in Australia, if it was Zero, the sun would be shouting, the mines were right, go inside. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, this is, it's Zero and Sunny, what's going on? So it's been a bit, that's been interesting to me is like, this is kind of my first time to go out and talk to a bit more of the flyover states, like middle America, and it's yeah. been cool. But your comedy to me is very, the style of it is very American. Like I, I when I watch you, I'm like, you know, it's it's funny that you have the, the accent, but I actually see you as an American performer, which is, I know that's, um, but your style, I think maybe your style came up from watching comedy. Well, you're you're 100% true. Mm -hmm. Like, it's really funny. And Jim will appreciate that a little bit because the thing that you get when you tell Australians that you're going to America to do comedy is people think, oh, they don't get irony, mate. They won't understand your jokes. Like, <laughs> this is the country that, like, you know, has Simpsons, the South Park, Seinfeld, mm-hmm. like, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah. These people do irony better than anywhere else in the world. Sure, yeah. there's a lot of stuff that doesn't have irony. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and so when I grew up, the comedians that I loved, like, you know, I I mean, George Carlin still probably to this oh, day yeah. is, like, my favourite comedian. Yeah. But, you know, I, I loved guys, even, like, the history of Yelena Bruce's and people like that. And then mm-hmm. I got into, like, Richard Pryor. And and then, of course, you know, like, any comedian of sort of my generation and my age, it was, like, then Bill Hicks and right. people like that. And then, you know, modern day times, the comedians who still come to mind when people say, you know, who do you like? You know, I am looking to guys like Louis and to mm-hmm. people like that of going, well, what are they doing? And, yeah. you know, how are they doing it? And, like, I still think that's the kind of gold standard in in world stand-up like i mean mm-hmm. there's great stuff that comes out of the uk like oh, dylan yeah. moran who was at that same festival yeah he's great uh, he's like as good a comedian as anyone working in the world and you know mm-hmm. i look to those people too but the thing that i love about america and this might sound like a really weird thing to say is that i think that stand-up comedy is america's great uh contribution to the arts mm. because it seems to me like you know if you buy into this idea that stand-ups are the modern-day philosophers, the people who can point at the emperor and say, hey, you're not wearing any clothes sort of Mm -hmm. thing. And that is the role that, you know, you you can say it in a way that, you know, you can get a point across in a humorous way that you couldn't ordinarily do. Let's assume that we've bought into that idea. Mm -hmm. If you've bought into that idea, America is the place that respects that idea the most. Guess who hosts hosts the Oscars? A comedian. Mm -hmm. Guess who hosts your Tonight Shows? A comedian. People understand comedy in this country. You walk out on stage in these... I got more standing ovations last week in Denver than I've had in 18 years of doing comedy in Australia. Oh, that's amazing. Not because I was doing particularly well, because people here know what you're meant to do at a night out. They know how Mm. it works. You don't have to... I still in Australia sometimes do gigs where people come up to me and go, that's the first time I saw stand-up comedy. Mm. You know, and it's... I feel like there's a lot less of that here, you know. Yeah. I mean, I always think of the moment that that shows, you know, everyone – Johnny Carson is one of the most respected people of all time in this country, I would say. One of the most beloved and respected people. He was a Tonight Show host. Yes. After 9-11, when people knew that you were able to laugh again and go back to work was when Letterman came out and said yeah. it was okay. People yeah. waited to see – Right. They waited to see what Letterman, the yeah. guy who do- tells the jokes – on the Tonight Show, that's who they waited for. Yeah. I think there's not any other country in the world that puts their comedians. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fact that they have that White House you know, roast where they oh, will put a comedian yeah. Yeah. Right, in right. the same room next to the, the president, president. The correspondence them- dinner, which is the scariest gig. <laughs> yeah, right. I've never done it, but I mean, I do. So one thing that I know I'm going to get called because you're like... <laughs> 
you're like a comedian of color it's really likely that you're gonna do it and that's a very scary gig but you're right it's what like other country such in a the world thing yeah puts the clown in the room with the king and yeah. says go for it right i mean there'll be complaints afterwards i mean but but go for it like I mean, this is not you know true. it's amazing but so, it's a scary that's a scary I, that's a gig that i would be really terrified because well, you, you've not only got the the powerful people you've got all the press Mm-hmm. And everyone else, and people who who aren't there necessarily to, to laugh. I may not right. have the best sense of humor, mm-hmm. so it's always it always seems like it's like one of those gigs. that's like so thankless. It's so thankless. because you're going to get ripped apart no matter what. If you go too hard, you're too hard. If you go too soft, right. oh, he was soft on them. There's yeah. just no win in that thing. Right. Well, it's kind of like the um, Oscars. Yeah. You know, there's really no winning. The host is always it's a hard job. Right. And I think I think Seth MacFarlane did a good job. I thought he was really funny. And I thought he did a really clever thing, which you know, whatever you, you know, whether you're a fan of his humor or not, mm-hmm. he did a couple of things that I thought were really smart, which was he did that thing of calling his own bullshit before anyone else could. Right. Like you know, a lot of the thing was about you know. Well, this is how I know you're going to react, which I think takes some of the air out of the tires on that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And I also thought in, he included the people he was making fun of in on the jokes a lot. Like if you make a joke about like loving Sally Field as the flying nun, it could be really, you know, everyone could be like, why are you bringing that up? She's yeah. one of the greatest actors. But if she's in the sketch yeah. and you're doing it with her there and she's clearly in on it, then it's a bit harder for people to go, you know, this is terrible. That person agreed to be part of it. Yeah, you know? how could right. you do that to Sally Field? Well, she's right there. Oh, she's right there. She's, she was st- she's actually stuffing her face yeah. with, uh, with the uh, with the tray of food right now. Right. So she was right there eating in front of him. So, yeah, she was a part of it. But Yeah, so I thought that was really clever. I thought he did it like, I mean, you know, I thought that was a good technique, a good way to you know, deal with that. But you're right, it's a hiding to nothing. That's a, that, But that job to me is like really, I think it would be something like to host the Oscars, it would be something that's so exciting and great but it nobody has ever really done it justice like nobody's right. really well, ever not, done a good not job. since bob hope and johnny carson because it was sort of a different era it was much it was more of a era, showbiz yeah. type era right now showbiz is a bit sort of you know got a bit of rust on it as well uh-huh. but um remember a couple of years ago chris rock did it yeah. yes and he and he made a joke about jude law Oh, yeah. about being like not not being as quite a movie star it was because it was because jude law had been in like in the whole premise of his bit was that jude law had been in like four movies that year yeah and i think the tagline was who the fuck is jude law basically right? yeah or something like that and then remember sean penn came out yeah. all intense like jude law is one of the greatest goddamn fucking actors who've ever and he yeah, just right. bitched out i was like wow he just bitched out chris rock sean penn is as humorless as i imagined <laughs> But why would he just like come to the defense of Jude Law? Like, what did they do a movie together? I don't. I don't, I don't, see know, them I don't even see them hanging together. out. But no. it just apparently I just see him backstage, and he's just going, "Fucking nobody fucks with Jude Law, right? In my town, not on my awards, not, mate. Not on my watch. Because Sean Penn, he's like one of those Russell Crowe kind right. of guys, like just very intense. Yes, I respect him a lot. Right, mm-hmm. Brilliant I'm not actor. gonna bullshit around with a guy. No. Though. No, a tough crowd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He gets real mad. He gets real mad. Oh, but just but to go up there, like he just to, takes him. He's just one of those guys, and good on him for what caring about the world and the planet and yeah. being wonderful. But 
sometimes he like he's making a point about something, and I'm just like, this is the shit that I said to girls in university to get laid. Yeah. Like, at least have <laughs> at least have more complex ideas, you know. Yeah. If you're yeah. gonna be that sincere about everything, yeah. at least be bringing some genuine insight into. It's like animals are good. Yeah, guns right. are bad. We got We got to help. Sean, we got to help. Glad you rode here on a boat to tell us that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sean Penn walked to the Oscars that yeah. week. Yeah. To uh, to defend the honor of Jude Law. It's yeah. almost like he threw his coat down yeah. so Jude Law could walk, walk through over. a puddle. Yeah, over the puddle. The puddle it's of so- Chris Rock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sean Penn's actually doing a new TV series, Jude Law and Order. Uh, it's just <laughs> protecting Jude Law, Jude Law week by week. <laughs> Um, <laughs> there are two parts to the justice system: <laughs> those who fuck with Jude Law and those who protect Jude Law. Why These would you defend stories. Jude Law? I mean, who was like, you know, it's like he's Tibet or something. Like he's right. like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> free, he free Jude Law. Free Jude Law. Yeah. Firstly, he's can defend himself. Secondly, yeah. like Jude Law is not untouchable. No. You know what I mean? <laughs> Especially <laughs> of now. Of all people who are not... You know, of all people, Jude Law is not the one that we're like... Mm. I mean, you know, people... You could make an argument like, hey, guys, let's stop taking shots at Michael J. Fox, right? Right. You right, could right, argue right. that. But Jude Law, I feel like... He's open. Like, he's you know, open. He, yeah. That, he banged a babysitter behind Sienna Miller's back. Oh, like, that's right. Know. Yeah, that's right. You know, it's yeah. not like he's... You know, awesome guy number one in the world. It's not like he's Sean Penn. Yeah. (laughs) I think his baby like ate an ecstasy tablet off the floor. That's true as well. Yeah, that was when, um, I think when, uh, he was with somebody else. Was it Sadie Frost? Yes. Oh, that was his wife. That was his wife. Yeah. Yeah, um, uh, When they were married, um, their daughter uh, picked an ecstasy tablet off the floor and ate it. I don't know. I don't know if she gets high though. Is that is, is it, what what baby high? what baby book is that in? Right. You know, <laughs> you make sure you uh, cover expecting? up the sharp edges and cover up the electric. Oh, make sure there's no e lying around on the floor. <laughs> I mean, that's a weird. Would they even know that they were high? Would a baby know? I mean, yeah. They, how does a baby go? Just, this is they probably just shit. enjoy sucking the dummy a little bit more than usual. Yeah. <laughs> like, a I mean, it's, bit. it's really pretty much the same outfits. Like, you know, in, yeah, the, right. in the big E culture when the rays were going on, it was people just with pacifiers and wearing nappies. So, <laughs> sorry, diapers, I should yeah, say. Diapers, yeah, diapers, yeah. Not nappies. The Americans don't know. Yeah. But yeah, nappies would be, uh, would be diapers. Yeah. Na- nappies. But then, nappies. remember, I'm, we talked about this years ago. Remember the, remember there was all those fetish guys that would wear, this is off the topic, but sort of on the topic, the fetish guys that would wear the baby yeah. diapers. Right. Adult, adult babies. The adult yeah. babies yeah. and the guys would yeah. get off on that. Well, I think I had a joke about it was... Uh, isn't that every woman's fantasy? Finally, a man you can actually change. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's very That's funny. That's really funny. Can I um, tell you, because uh, you said something nice about me, so I'm going to say something nice about you in return. Uh, I We met, um, you came out to Australia to do a show at the Seymour Centre in Sydney. I don't know mm-hmm. if you remember this. It was way, way back. And I was doing a radio show on a, a network called Triple J, which yes. was like a breakfast radio show. Yes. And... and uh, a guy called Adam Spencer and I used to do a show there and uh, we played some of your stand-up while we interviewed you, mm-hmm. which kind of amazed you at the time because we could play it unedited yeah, on the yeah. air and I remember that. So I came and saw your show at the Seymour Centre and you were doing a, um, a a signing afterwards and we had a little bit of a chat then, which mm-hmm. I don't in any way expect you to remember. But I, I just wanted to – because when we met at the Sydney Festival at Just for Laughs, mm-hmm. uh, it was really nice because I was kind of like, oh, you know, I 
we met a long time ago when I was just a big fan of yours. And Ooh. it was nice to meet in a context where I was like, ah, oh, now like she came and talked to me, which is what you kind of want, right? Like, yeah. you don't want to be like, <laughs> you're like, yeah, right. Now that's how I wanted to meet you. Yeah. So, but well, it was anyway. You. So, oh, you were amazing. I mean, I was so in awe of you because what you do is you give so much of yourself. Like, you really are unafraid to totally embody the moment and just, just, just drive it home and and give it your whole body and your whole spirit and that's that's so fearless and cool well you know what the thing is though i have no control over it like <laughs> i don't you. yeah i don't like yeah. i i smoke a little pot before shows now because in the old days it used to be um too much mm-hmm. like my energy was too much mm-hmm. because when i get out there like my brain just explodes a little bit yeah and i do get so in the moment someone i was doing uh, the vancouver comedy festival the other day and i got this amazing they had they had me close the show and i got this amazing review but the woman said and she she mentioned that i have a twitch and i don't have a twitch but like i knew what she was talking about because i was in the middle of the set and i was kind of having this sort of like almost like this like religious you know like when you see a preacher sort of have that sort of you get taken over by the Mm -hmm. moment and i was just having so much fun like martin short was hosting this gala and like you know and i was having such a great set and i was just in the moment i was enjoying something so much that i was like she thought i had a twitch you know that's what i was (laughs) And I have, I had once had somebody complain after one of my shows. They said, um, "Yeah, we went and saw you, and you were clearly like high on cocaine." And I was like, "You don't know how far from the truth of no. my life that if I took cocaine before a show, my head would explode thirty <laughs> seconds in." Like that. That was literally. I was like, I, I, I was stoned. Like that's me, because I do. I get in that moment, and I just want to be and my brain just runs away with it and i yeah but and i love it and that doesn't always work for the night you know that yeah. can but on those moments where you and the crowd are on that exact same moment mm-hmm. it just it feels so natural and but so it's nice. pure performance right it's, that's when you are the most creative too because you're not even even though they might be jokes or something you've done before you find whole new areas in them because you're just so in that moment, I've had that before where people have emailed me. Were you drunk? Were you drunk on stage last night? I was and like, you don't no, I wasn't drunk. No, I don't drink no, at he's all. Never yeah. had it. But right. people just you just get in there. It's almost a delirious state of you are just saying things and you don't even know where they're coming from. Right. Yeah. As opposed to you know, then there's all the other shows where it's like, yeah, let's let's tell these jokes again. Right. And try and find some. But there's that lovely moment where you go, this is so amazing. And but it does look like you're out of control almost, but they don't realize that you do have control. Yeah, mm-hmm. you have the most amazing control, but it just doesn't look like it because you're in pure, just in that pure performance mode. That's the that's the best thing too. I know, and it, the worst thing about that is that it happens so rarely. Like I mean, when it really happens, and you're really mm-hmm. in that moment, you come up with so much stuff, and it normally happens about nine months into a twelve-month tour, and you feel like you should have to ring every single person who's seen the show before that and go, "Look, you know when I did this bit, this is how I should have done it. <laughs> I've worked it out now. I've got the really good tag. Do you tape? I've, I said I've this. changed the ending. It's better. <laughs> Do you tape and listen to your shows afterwards so that you can capture that? Like I, I tape all of the shows. Mm-hmm. And normally uh, when I'm putting together a tour, I'm like, I go straight from here back in like into a brand new tour. So mm. I, I go to that Adelaide Fringe Festival and do, so next Monday, like my, is my first night of a brand new hour that at wow. this point I don't know. Is it any isn't written? <laughs> well, because I work it in, so what I do, and that's what I, the reason I was going to say that is I write a lot, but I also do these um, imp- uh, impro 
shows where mm. I just get an audience in the room and they're all people who are off my mailing list. They're friends, yeah, friends of the show. Yeah. <laughs> so they come along and it's just an 80, 100 seat little room and I completely improvise for about an hour, two hours. Oh, like just great. whatever's in my head. Uh-huh. And those I tape and always because the moments in those where you go to that place in your head that yeah yeah you didn't know that you wanted to talk about but mm-hmm. you clearly wanted to talk about because when you just opened your brain your brain just went there yeah. that's what is important yeah it's very easy when you're sitting in your room or like in front of the mirror or whatever to write the jokes you've already written but just with different names right 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 but well some- that's my my art is like telling the same joke for <laughs> But in different words for right. like 40 years. I think that that's, but I mean, it's really great when you can discover that new way of thinking or new right. way of thinking about a story. But it's terrifying at the same time. Like, yeah. I mean. So you're totally unprepared, like not unprepared, but un, unscripted. Like well, you don't. In those shows I am. And yeah. then I try to combine the best of that with the best of what I've written. Mm-hmm. Like, and kind of structure it up and then sort of make it into a show. Yeah. But in the first sort of week or two weeks of a new show, what I like to do is really be doing a lot of that right. I still like to be trying to push myself to go to a more interesting place than where I am. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, like, you know, you try to settle into a bit more of a, this is the show and this is the tour. And then I'll just riff off the, yeah, the structure of it that I have. Yeah. But early on, I just... Because my thing is always, I always just think that if you don't keep digging and digging and digging and digging, sometimes you just, you stop digging that one before you get to the really interesting bit. Yeah. Mm. You know, you take a beat and then the next beat isn't funny mm-hmm. and you stop. But instead what you, like, you should go the extra beat. Oh, right. hang on, that's not funny either. One more. Oh, there it is. <laughs> uh-huh. You know, it's, it's Sideshow Bob and the Rakes. I don't know if you've ever – that's my favourite thing ever in The Simpsons. There's a, yeah. It's in the Witness yeah. Relocation Program episode and the Thompsons. And uh, Sideshow Bob every time just keeps st- stepping on a rake and the rake comes up and hits <laughs> him in the face. And uh-huh. it's hilarious and it's hilarious. And then it's not funny anymore. And then it's not funny anymore. And then it's the funniest thing you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, it just stays long enough. Yeah, that's hard to know though. That right. that like, how long do you do it until it's like it, it is a weird risk. Oh, like, I mean, there's there's times where you're like, okay, no, I found no jokes. I've just found Chilean miners. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Right. No, no, yeah, I, yeah. I those that nights, those nights when it's just, I'm just gonna go up. I'm gonna just free form. Yeah. I'm gonna, and then you're like, no, there's no, there's no free form here. This there's is nothing, a terrible there's nothing idea. going on. That's why I love that show, Set List. Have you done oh, the Set yeah. List show? I've done it a few times. I find it really challenging. Right. Because I really want to control the moment and I want to, I want to know what it's going to be and you can't do that with that show. You have to be free. Right. So have you done it here or in, in Edinburgh? I've done it here and in England and in Australia. Oh, what's it like? What's it like in Australia? Right. So here it's the easiest of all the places. In America? Yes. Okay. Like I feel like I have the best gigs, Set List gigs I've had here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think that this is very indicative of the audiences in general. Yeah. Like it was like I was saying about the standing ovations last week. I didn't deserve four standing ovations in my shows last week. There's just an attitude with the crowds here in a lot of places. This is a very American a- attitude, which is, yes, we can. Even if you mm. weren't a Obama supporter, the reason that that phrase resonated so well is Americans have an attitude of no matter how shit your life is, you get up in the morning and you're like, yes, we can, you know, mm-hmm. we will do it. We are America, you know? Yeah. And they have that attitude of when you walk out on stage, I feel like the audience most of the time is like, yes, come on, you can do it. <laughs> like, this is going to be great for all of us. This is great. This is America. 
And you walk out on stage in Australia and most of the audience, to be honest, sits there and goes, bet you fucking can't. And you yeah, walk out right. on stage <laughs> in England and they're like, screw you for trying in the first place. And that is essentially, English audiences will just sit there like they've come out to have a bad time. Oh, like really? We've intentionally really? come to comedy to make sure that yeah. you know you're terrible and we have a terrible time, which is... <laughs> it's hard. Right. Have you done sets in England? No, I've never, I've never even so been really, over there. No. You really should because I think it, it's very... Because I, I need to hard. experience that, I mean, it well, sounds it's like. It's a very... It's, when you do finally get them, it's so rewarding. Right. Of course. But you do very well there too. I do okay there. Yeah. I do okay there. I... Um, uh, I, but the, I, I, the, but the set list experience in each of those countries is reflective of that as well. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. I think here it's very, very fun to do set lists because mm-hmm. the audience kind of buy into the idea very early on and it mm-hmm. gives you a freedom. And like you were saying about my style, mm-hmm. I love being in that moment. Yeah, like I love doing set lists because it's a – it's an excuse to be in that moment yeah. that I can't do on my tour. Mm-hmm. Like if people have paid a decent amount of money to come and see the show, I just can't walk out there and improvise. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm not that good and I couldn't guarantee it'd be great. It might be great one out of five shows, but the rest of the time I'd be ripping people off. But set list, they've come for that. Right. They, they really come to see you create it and be in right. the moment with them. Right. But that's one of the things that I'm like, that what I love about doing comedy is that I'm in charge. Yeah. Yeah. You're not in charge at all in this thing. No, you're You just got to maybe try to look like you're in you charge. You got to look in charge. Yeah. You have to look in charge and you have to um, reveal that thought process in, in front of people, which I think is pretty, really very intimate and kind of uh, inappropriate. Right. <laughs> no, I understand what you mean. You know, like sometimes you would need a sausage if you knew what was in a sausage. Right. And you're showing people how you've made the sausage and they're like, I don't want to eat the sausage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's ah. very difficult. But, I mean, it's interesting that you've done it now on – is England a continent? <laughs> yeah. Well, the United no. – yeah, the United it's Kingdom. Over there, yeah. um, United Kingdom and Australia. That's cool. Yeah. But they, they, where do they do it in Australia? They do it at comedy clubs there? No, they do it um, – they bring it out for the festival. So, like, oh. Paul and all the guys come out and they're oh, doing so it at the there. Melbourne Festival again this year. So, yeah. they kind of had that nice thing of having a bunch of – international and local comedians who are at a standard that they can yeah. do the show. And they run it as a late-night show during the festival, which is kind of a perfect idea because well, it's a great yeah. place for all the... Maybe I'll try it again. I'll be there too. I'll be there. I'll be in Melbourne, um, I, in somewhere in there during the festival. I'm going to all the different ones. I think I guess, oh, yeah? um, Sydney again yeah. and uh, Perth. Oh, yeah. They're, Bris- they're, yeah Perth's doing a comedy festival. And Melbourne. Yeah. So that'll be uh, maybe something I'll try. I'll, Brilliant. I'll, I'll try it. Well, as, long, as long as the crowd is – that's the thing. If you get that good crowd that knows that they're in for not a scripted stand-up right. show but a very different thing, they enjoy they enjoy that part of the process. Right. Yeah. But if they're just sitting there going, all right, this isn't going anywhere, yeah. they don't realize that what set list is basically you go up there, they project a topic, not even a topic, but a, the name of the joke yeah. or the, the, the set of the list part of the joke. And then you have to basically come up with a bit mm-hmm. that involves whatever they've and said. And it can be nonsense. It could be just some some consonants together, like or you know, just a jumble of words that don't yeah. make any sense. Yeah. And then you have to find a way to make sense of it. And I, I, I just I think it's a great thing. I mean, I love Paul Provenza, and I think he's an awesome, awesome whatever he. I guess there's got to be a name for what he's doing. Is it sort of an archivist or? Uh, anthropologist for comedy so I, I love that he's doing it and I think there's probably a reason why I get so mad about selling because I yeah I find it so 
scary, but it's my own issues of control. Right. But I think that's why it's been such a interesting show for the industry as well, because it's not for everybody, A, to do, mm-hmm. and B, like I've seen some of people I would consider the greatest comedians in the world be terrible at it and like not want to do it. Mm-hmm. But it's nice because it does put us all in that place of when was the last time you were genuinely terrified about something or very <laughs> right. genuinely like <laughs> on stage you know because there is a point and i mean you know i'm terrified about putting my new show together but at the same time i have an attitude of like look i've done this a million times before you this, can is, do my, that. this yes. is my 18th show if it's not together on monday night it, it will be together on tuesday night if it's not together on tuesday night it'll be together on tuesday week but it'll get together pretty mm-hmm. soon like i know that i've got enough ideas and i do this enough that It'll be fine. Yeah. And so after two or three weeks of doing your tour, like in the last year I did my show 176 times, after 14 in or something, you're pretty much in charge of everything. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, you're still working. on, But you know what? There's a point in the night where you're like, they will laugh this much at this. They will laugh this much at this. I will mm-hmm. do it this way. So they yeah, get sucked into this and then I'll take them in this direction. But in set list, that isn't. You don't get to. No. You, you get to be terrified again. And like just when enjoy, you first enjoy the moment. Or be terrified by the moment, moment, yeah. It was always that way, and I don't know if you've ever experienced it, because I don't know, I mean, even though I'm Australian, I've never performed in the Australian scene, just one or two sets over the years. But it always, when I would be doing shows, the the thing that would scare me the most is the headliner would say, are the other guys out there? Come on up on stage and we'll do some improv. And this isn't improv like... Well-crafted oh God, so bits scary. and people that knew how to listen and were. This was comedians doing improv, which was who can get to the bending over, somebody getting it in the ass yeah. joke first. Yeah, and it was comics that yeah. that and and it was just it was always the worst. Oh, and that was always terrible. the headliner that didn't have the time. Right. Yeah, that's you know, terrible. thirty thirty minutes in. Hey, where are the other guys at? Fucking, we're back here because we're done. Yeah. You're working now, right. man. Did they even tell you that they were going to do that? Some would. Hey, you want to do improv? It was, it was always guys that wore those, like, you know, the big sort of parachute pants. Right. Ew. That were all, like, had designs on them, you know, like late 80s kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. Oh, God. Hey, you guys want to come and do some improv? No, that's why you're getting paid right. to headline the show. You mean, like, Have you seen our pants? Yeah, some of those. Pants. Some of those. Oh, yeah. they, were very, they were very popular for improvisers. Yes. Like, yes, there was. yes, yes. Or jugglers. Those kind of comics right. that yeah. didn't have the full time. Right. Oh, and you show terrifying. people by your pants. Yeah. <laughs> well, how long do you do a podcast for? You do yours for like an hour? Look, my yeah, my podcast is about an hour, but yours is like half an hour. That's we what try to doing, make right? we try to keep it about, about, keep it about half keep an hour, but if some sometimes there's bonus episodes where there's a little bit extra. Well, we we're we had that have, much to talk about. We're gonna have we have so much to talk about. We're gonna have a whole nother episode. Here's what I but also here's what I can say to people out there: it's a podcast. You can control your own destiny. <laughs> If you want it to be half an hour, listen to half an hour. We can cut then come all, back the next morning. Yeah. Listen to charge. the rest of it. Yeah, it's right. fine. You are in charge. We are <laughs> you shouldn't so be complaining about in it. Charge. If you've got thumbs, yes. you can yeah, yeah, determine yeah. how long yeah. this you podcast is. You take control. Is. But th- this is um, this is very exciting. We are here with our very special guest who we're so excited about, Will Anderson. Thank you very much for having me back. <laughs> Thanks for coming back. Thanks for making the journey back. From uh, being here last week. I'm glad yeah. that I d- actually didn't have to do that when we recorded them in a row because um, I got a cab out here. <laughs> he's, he's, <laughs> he's out there waiting. Yeah, you got a meter going. <laughs> that's right. I've left it going. I was joking about that with people in uh, when I was in Minneapolis because it was snowing the whole time I was there and people kept apologizing that it was snowing the whole time I was there. And I was like, I'm from Australia. 
It is constantly in drought. We are only allowed to have a shower for three minutes a day. There are advertisements on the television and radio telling us we can only have a shower for three minutes a day. I'm in a place where it's snowing every minute while I'm here. Guess what I'm doing? Showering constantly. (laughs) I'm having a shower before the show. I'm leaving the shower on. I'm going to the show. I'm going back in the shower. I'm looking like I'm 80. I'm wrinkly because I just am in the shower. Enjoying the water. Right. It's Enjoying been it. It's precious. But I can I, I could have come pick you up. I didn't know that you took a cab. Well, you know what? I have been driving, but um, when I was in uh, Colorado, someone uh, – well, they didn't steal my credit card. They did that thing where they uh, double your credit card or they get your numbers or whatever. Identity theft. Identity theft. Oh. So not as wacky as the movie made it seem. And uh, <laughs> it turns out just quite uh, quite annoying. Um, so uh, American Express have rung me up and they're like, hey, uh, are you in Brazil? And I'm like, ah, no. And they're like, I'm not. So they're like, you're not in McDonald's in Brazil? No, that's I, I wouldn't be in McDonald's if I was in Brazil. Not buying perfume in Brazil? No, turns out I'm not. Oh, no. So they cancel my credit card, which is fine. They pay, for, you know, they're, it, mm-hmm. it's part of their insurance and all that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. But they canceled it. So it turned out that for the rest of my trip, all my accommodation was on that credit card and mm-hmm. like my hire car bookings and all those sort of things yeah. were all on that credit card. Now, I have another, like a backup credit card, but I had to kind of put some money on it. It would take a couple of days yeah. to kind of clear sort of thing. But that was fine. Except that all my uh, <laughs> hotels and cars got cancelled. So uh. I got off the plane from Denver where I was. No. I've gone to the hire car place. I went, oh, no, no, no. Your credit card's been cancelled. Oh, <laughs> oh, no. And you it can't sucks. give a hire car place a cash uh, no. deposit. No, no, not no. at all. Because you will just like, leave. You're just a guy who's stealing right. a car. You'll drive to Brazil yeah. and go yeah. to McDonald's. Yeah, that's right. You've, you've buy not perfume. Give, you've, not yeah, gi- right. you've not given them a $400 deposit. You've bought a car for $400. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> in that situation. The best deal in America. Right. Well, that's terrible. So I, um, I then got to my hotel and I couldn't check into my hotel oh, either because no. – you can give a cash deposit to a hotel, it turns out, though. But you also have a ca- give a cash deposit for the the uh, minibar. Uh-huh. So I've walked in. I'm only at this hotel for like two days, but I had to get like a wad of cash to cover the expenses and all that sort of thing. Yeah. And I looked like the worst. Like I looked like a junkie on a gambling spree. Right, you know, like that right. sort of thing. Yeah. It's like someone who's suddenly won $1,400 and is splurging on cash in a hotel and yeah, like a yeah, minibar. Yeah. And it's like... <laughs> <laughs> it was horrible. It was so. That's I'm gonna eat all so the nuts. So I couldn't hire a car because oh, no. I don't have a credit card. Oh no! So, so you I actually a, took a cab over. So here. I took a cab. Over He's not here. out there waiting, is he? No. Good. Oh, no, I'll, I'll give you a ride. Thank you, mate. Yeah, I appreciate that. I have a gig tonight as well. Anyway, so I was like, I'll probably drink. Oh, and no, then I'll go to a gig. You. He's doing so. um, the uh, hot tub with um, a Kurt and Kristen. In the, uh, it's down on near it's it's in Los Feles. Yeah, it's, oh, okay. near your house. it's at the Virgil. I don't know if you know where that is. It's an amazing gig. It's just by down. The way. It's down the street from you. Oh, I can drive you over there. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, it's not far. But um, oh, yeah. I, if I would have come, got you. I didn't know. I didn't. No, it's fine. So you 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 do you have a place here? So I had a place here for three years. I lived in West Hollywood, uh, which was the best thing that I have ever done in my entire life. I loved mm-hmm. it there so much. Yeah, it's great. I've never felt more attractive. Uh, oh my god never felt more attractive <laughs> women do not look at men the way that men look at men I love that's being that's true tra- I like being attractive to men because yeah. men just make it obvious well and you men are also they also have a very high standard Right. well I don't know but I like I, so. I don't know like the Starbucks I go to I felt great every day yeah. I felt great yeah. every that's day good. it was like I started getting dressed up like so that I would get more attention <laughs> like seriously I loved it you I were fishing it. for it 
my god, it's it's so delightful <laughs> because I've always lived in like essentially. I, I realize this about myself is that I always live within a sort of ten like mile radius of the gayest part of whatever city that I live in. Because the things that I am interested in mm-hmm. and the sort of yeah things that I find important are very much yeah in that sort of culture and in that world. And I, I realize that it just. I guess maybe also because when I was like at high school and stuff, I wasn't a typical like Australian man. Like, a, right. mm-hmm. like you know, I grew up on a, a dairy farm. My father mm-hmm. is a dairy farmer and mm-hmm. his father before him is a dairy farmer and my brother works on the dairy farm now and mm-hmm. the first person I ever met in show business was me. You know, like mm-hmm. there wasn't – it was a very different culture, you know, where I was I, – I was raised in a timber town like a um, – you know, they cut down trees and they had sawmills yeah. for a living and it was men men. And yeah. I wasn't really a man, man. Blokes, mm-hmm. right? Real blokes. blokes, yeah, yeah, right. Especially Aussie blokes, because it's even it's even more of a a, a different sort of you it's know very masculine type thing, right? Yeah, yeah hyper masculine. Sheer and sheep, yeah, in right. one go sort of thing, yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's uh, I, like it's not something I'd ever done on purpose, but it's something that I just realised this is you know a place that I feel really comfortable. But it also mm-hmm. happens to be great stumbling distance to all the. Yeah, comedy clubs and stuff that I was yeah. playing. So that's true. It was fun. It was like so. But on these last couple of trips back, I've been touring so much, like out of town, that I've just like I've been doing hotel living and stuff like that, which is yeah, it's not good for me because I'm I I have mini bar control issues. Mm. Right. <laughs> oh well, I I just I just um kind of stay near like the bar or try to go get the drinks because the mini bar really adds up because then if i start drinking off the mini bar i'll start eating off it right and that's really expensive oh that's my one i'll go for the, the nuts right <laughs> I'll, I'll eat the 30 dollar nuts right <laughs> I, worked, I worked with a bloke once up in canada and he um he there was a big tube of pringles mm-hmm. oh yeah and he um i ate mine in my room but mm-hmm. I, I went to the shop across the street mm-hmm. and replaced it oh. so nobody's any wiser. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Um he just he Christ. just sort of sealed it up with some spit <laughs> and put the cap back. No. So I don't know when they're gonna figure out that that those Pringles uh, are not there anymore. <laughs> but you get <laughs> That's ingenious disgusting. when you're well a lot of the time when you're doing comedy too, you're in a room somewhere and maybe you have access to nothing else. Right. Yeah, that's all there's you have. There's nothing open. There's a lot of towns. Right. There's nothing open anymore. No, that's true. There is nowhere to eat. After you get done with the show, you kind of maybe you're hungry. You want to hang out. You whatever. Uh, sometimes I've worked some of these places where they'll pick you up. They'll 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 put you at, at the, the furthest away place from anywhere. This nice hotel with nothing around. And then they pick you up, they take you to the club, and they bring you back. It's almost like a prison. Like you get an hour, you get an hour out. You're on house arrest. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it is. It is total house arrest. Yeah. But that's it. Yeah. So yeah, you sort of you, you. What are your choices sometimes? Oh, I mean, this is the. I mean, this is the great thing. I mean, I love the road. I know that it's not for everybody, and I know there's stuff about it that people look. But I there's there's still a part of me that loves. When you're in a town where you're in the best hotel in that town, but the best hotel in that town is a town where they chain the remote control to the television. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, you know, oh, yeah. You're in the best place, but they're like, well, that's just actually defeated the whole purpose of a remote control. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you chain it to a television. I'm not so remote anymore. Also, yeah. who's stealing remote controls from hotel rooms? They don't work on your television, do they? Somebody that just... <laughs> like, somebody with an issue. They just right. want to... Take, the, the weirdest is the is the iron that's connected. Oh, no. Because you can never really iron anything... Uh-huh. When it when it's just like just, this three or just to a certain point, three right. like mm-hmm. foot, you like have little to thing move there. 
Because the cord is so close to the wall that you actually have to move the ironing board. Yeah. Like, yeah, you, yeah. Keep, you have to keep the iron in the same place and move the ironing board as opposed to the other way around. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I hope your I hope your credit card gets is it what well, it gets reinstated soon so that you can uh, now stay in another hotel. Or I had I had identity theft this week too. Oh really? Well, this, this week. Hap- this week also. Um, uh, it was a couple of days ago. I got um, this weird charge on one of my credit cards, and then I had to uh, call somebody at the fraud department, and then they had to call the person in charge, and it was for porn. And so I had to like talk to them uh, and I had to talk like a three-way conversation with this like woman who's like, well, I don't know if I could help you. Um, Cause he should, uh, could I put you on hold for a sec? You know, I don't think that I can help you. Cause, I, cause we, we were like, you know, it wasn't just enough to like go onto the website or admit that it was porn. She had to like go onto the site and then like look at the membership options Oh yeah, and it was just like I was so embarrassed, but I was also furious that I had to like (laughs) go over this like really intimate. Like I wouldn't even be looking at porn with anybody else. Yeah, right. I was looking at with two other people that I don't know. (laughs) It was so two strangers connected on a phone. Yeah. So so somebody stole your information to join online porn. No, I joined the porn. Oh, you joined it. I bought a membership, oh, okay. but then I I had picked an option that was like for thirty days, but it was in fine print. It was every thirty days. Ah, uh, right. I was like, I only want access to this for the next hour. I don't want access to this for months and months. But they kept oh, yeah. charging and right. kept charging. They, oh, really? And then so it was like this fake out, and I was wrong, and I you know I <laughs> I didn't oh, look no. at the fine print, but they were we were all looking at the fine print. It was so embarrassing. Oh, no. <laughs> My, well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a story that I think tops that in embarrassment Okay. Uh, so that you feel better. Okay. Which is a, a good friend of mine was on a uh, – he's an Australian comedian uh, called Limo and he was on a uh, – they were doing making beer advertisements uh, like on some – in some foreign country. I can't remember where it was but it was somewhere where they had hardcore pornography on the television free in the hotel oh. rooms, right? Oh, wow. So wherever they were filming these ads – uh, the cameraman who's filming the advertisements thinks, well, this is free hardcore pornography. You know what I'll do? I'll just, I mean, I've already got all this camera equipment. I'll just set up the camera 24 hours a day while we're not using it and tape directly <laughs> off the television. And then I can just run off some, I can run off some tapes from my mates, right? So... <laughs> He's shooting the screen. He's shooting the screen. Now mm-hmm. this is back. Well, I mean, it, I mean, with the camera, right? And well, with so whatever else, <laughs> whatever well, else he, he, he shot the screen and it then is, he turned on the camera. It is very interesting that you say that, Jim. So <laughs> the thing is, this is kind of pre the days of readily available internet. Oh, this is a while back, right? Okay. So mm-hmm. his idea is that he'll just film this hardcore pornography and then he'll just run off some tapes for his mates, so mm-hmm. they all have these free things, right? So while he's filming, one day while this pornography is playing, he's obviously decided, like you implied, that, well, I mean, it's on. <laughs> it's on anyway, right? And I've, I'm here in a hotel room and I, uh, <laughs> I might as well. Uh... So he, he did that. Mm-hmm. Now, that would be fine, right? Mm-hmm. Very natural thing for people to do. Um, <laughs> only problem is he's got back to Australia. He sent out the tapes to his mate and then the phone call started. (laughs) Mate, the reflection in the screen. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, no. So, essentially, he just sent all his friends. Oh, God. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, it might have looked bigger, you know, because of distortion, maybe. So it's not a terrible thing. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, my God. Oh, it looked huge. It looked huge. The concave of that screen. <laughs> It would have stretched it out. <laughs> I think that's great. Wow. But, you know, it still doesn't, it doesn't touch the embarrassment, the hot embarrassment of, like, the red face. Of, uh, but I was on the, this conference call for half an hour oh, no. with somebody, I guess, from, must have been from India, I could tell from the accent. So mm-hmm. they outsourced, I guess, to India. They do all the tech stuff there. And then, um, and, and then this woman. And it was the, the, the worst part about it is that it's 70s to 80s porn. So it's like, because um, fr- I, I just like the clothes <laughs> and the right. hair. And yeah, makeup. right. Yeah. I like the porn too, but I also like that era. So it was like real weird, like just right. just really bad, like makeup and, and crazy hair, giant hair. I kind of I feel like that's better. I feel like that's better. I would, you know what I mean? That feels to me like there's a, there's a class to it, you know? It's like well, old school. It's, um, it's, it was called Private. It's called, the, the, the website is called private.com. And it's, um, it was a magazine from the 70s and the 80s that was um, shot in, in Paris. And they were really right. high budgets. So there was some like, you know, uh, scenes where they're overlooking the Eiffel Tower. But, you know, jerking guys off over the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> <laughs> it's really like. I think it's magnificent. It sounds great. The production values are phenomenal. I'd, I'd love to sign up, but it seems like it's a nightmare. <laughs> well, they'll could steal you, your Could your mate card shoot uh, oh. some footage of that for everyone? I think there's a guy in Brazil who's just signed up to the website. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you, nobody, nobody stole your your stuff. No, it was just it that was I, you, I read it wrong. You didn't read the phone. But it was one of those tricky things print. where. Where just because you signed up for a for a brief moment, it's gonna keep keep billing yeah. you. Yeah, that's it. Signed me up for a recurring charge when I had only signed up in my mind for a, a one time. And there's time no way only. out of it. There's a no one. way out of it, right? No. Well, I I I mean, I just canceled the card, so now they're just gonna you send had to me cancel a new the card. card. Yeah, because I then they wouldn't stop tar- They would stop charging it because they they had sort of a loophole. So I just canceled the card. So it just continues. It just continues. Jesus. That's how they get you. That's how they get you, but it's like those weird things that you just have to you just have to swallow your pride. Right. <laughs> and call and say it's my fault. Yeah. It's boring. <laughs> I was doing research. I I it's just I don't know. I mean, I let's be honest. At the it. time where you're looking for porn, and you're particularly at the time where you're willing to pay for porn. Yeah. That's not is, a time where you yeah. want to linger over fine print. No. They're taking no, advantage of you in that moment. Do you right? agree to the terms and conditions yeah. of... <laughs> no one's like, you know what? I'm in a mood to look at porn. But you know what would make me feel even more in the mood to look at porn? About 20 minutes of looking at fine print. <laughs> <laughs> That's what really gets me Terms going. and conditions. Terms wow. and con- It's totally terms and conditions. That was so embarrassing. But I mean, it's like, so you're so vulnerable when people take your credit card. It's like, you can't, you can't check into a hotel. You can't no. get a rental car. It's like awful. And you forget how much of it relies on credit cards. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. that's the thing that I, I didn't even think about that idea that, oh my God, this affects everything. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you well, can't do anything. It's no. terrible. It's really terrible. But then, so, but you'll get it maybe back by the time you leave or you, by the time you go home or? Uh, well, that, that was one of the things that made it more complicated because mm. like I found out on a Saturday, I was leaving back to Australia on, well, I, I leave tomorrow. So when we're recording oh, this, so tomorrow? Tuesday. Oh, okay. So um, it was one of those things where 
the best option was just to send it back to Australia. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. But what if you would it would it what if you get like um are you auditioning for stuff? What if you get a TV show here? Then you have to will you go back or are you doing that? Are you doing auditioning for stuff? Are you going no, out for stuff? Or being not. offered stuff? No, you should be. No, I'm not. No, here's why. Because I don't want to be doing acting. You don't want to do that. No, mm. because I I don't really like actors. Mm-hmm. Um, I like some actors, of course, but just as a general group. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry to any actors yeah. who are like, but um, no, no, I. I think there are like comedians who are wonderful at acting. Of course, right? Yeah. You know, and there are like some of mm-hmm. some of them are amazing, but that's not what I am interested in mm-hmm. from comedy. What mm-hmm. I'm interested in from comedy is I don't want to pretend to be someone else. Right. I don't really have any interest in that. Mm-hmm. I have an interest in finding out how much I can learn about myself mm-hmm. and who I am as a performer and what it is that I have to say. And I feel like I have barely picked the surface of that. I feel like in some ways, I feel like for a lot of years I was Oasis, right? Mm-hmm. In, 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 and what I mean by that is that Oasis were a great band, but essentially they were just like a great band writing Beatles songs, mm-hmm. you know, right? Mm-hmm. Good versions of Beatles songs, yeah. but Beatles songs. And I feel for a lot of years, like my stand-up was a tribute to all the people that I loved, mm-hmm. you know, instead of me really walking out on stage and trying to be honest about who I was and my, what my faults are and mm-hmm. what my fears are and what it is that... Because sometimes... You know what my biggest fear of all is? That I'm that I'm not smart enough to say something particularly profound or deep or mm. whatever or that I'm not cynical enough to – because I don't look at the way that sometimes – like I, my f- least favourite type of comedy in the world is like a dude who walks on stage and does like, you know, I hate my wife and this is why I hate my wife. And I'm like, I just can't watch that sort of comedy without thinking – well, if you do hate your wife that much, here's what you should do. Leave your wife. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just be happy, man. It's mm-hmm. not worth it for the act. Secondly, if you don't hate your wife, then what sort of living are you making when yeah. you go out every night from a wife you do love and mm-hmm. talk about how much you hate your wife, right? And that sort of cynicism that's around comedy. Like I, some of my favorite comedy to watch is cynicism. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I love dark, wonderful you know, I mean, like I said, Dylan Moran and Louis and guys like yeah. that, I think are sublime, mm-hmm. but that's not my type of comedy. Mm-hmm. And it's a really confronting thing to kind of be challenged by that thing of going, I wanted to be Bill Hicks, but I'm not Bill Hicks. But there is if an I'm optimism be honest, to those guys too, right. you know, that's really, you see it too. No, no, I agree. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's that thing of like, when you give up trying to pretend to be cooler than you right, are you and actually just say, this that's is great. who I am. Well, you that's end up great. doing doing what you do and not right. trying to perform to some fantasy that you you wish but you still respect those people because they formed you into oh into that thing exactly but you've got to eventually if you want to be truly like good mm-hmm. you have to embrace who you are whatever yeah. that is yeah like and if that means you're not as edgy as that or if that means you're a bit more idealistic about this or if you whatever mm-hmm. then i only feel like in the last two or three years and i've been doing this 18 years now mm-hmm. like i only feel like i'm on that journey now that i finally yeah. got to the point where i'm like yeah. Just say stuff that is just you. And so for me, I'm so in love with that idea that I don't want to be pretending to be anyone other than that at the moment. Yeah. All I want to do is go, I want to throw myself into things that challenge me to be more of who I am, even if that's harder. That's even really if that's admirable, harder. You know? though. I think that's really great. I just am surprised because you do so many different things, like creatively and professionally, like just all these different um, 
like different paths you can take within this art form. And so to me, I think acting would be great, especially if you wrote something that right. was yours that, you know, in a, in a sense, like what Louis is doing, which he takes his act and he makes it into a yeah. TV show. I think you'd be great for I that. I think I could be me. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, if anyone wanted to like, you know, if anyone needs like an Australian stand-up comedian to be something, <laughs> I think mm-hmm. I could do that. Yeah. If Jim Jeffries doesn't get it or if Jim doesn't get it. <laughs> I think I could definitely be on that list. I know. This is starting right. to be more and more and more and more. I know. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry we've come. You've had That's this. That's all right. You've it's had right. this to yourself for so many I, years. Uh, yeah, and I've done so well with it. It reminded me, though, when you said about the, the guy that goes up and pretends to hate his wife. I worked yeah. with a guy a few years. I did a, a Canadian um, Just for Laughs tour. And the guy on the first night said, oh, it's, it's, my, it's my wedding anniversary and I can't be with my wife. So, and he told some story. And I thought, oh, poor bloke. Yeah, beautiful. Doesn't get to be with. The next night, same joke. Next night, same joke. You go, <laughs> oh, it's, oh, it's a bit. I got, I got fooled by my own thing, my own profession. So on the last night of the run, two weeks run, he, uh, he's closing the shows. And these are in big theatres up in Canada. In, in, uh, in, we're in uh, the Toronto area. And he's saying, oh, my wife's anniversary, I can't be there for it. So he says goodnight at the end of the show. And uh, we all go out to take a bow. As he's coming back, I bring out a cake that's lit, the candle's lit. And I'm going, happy anniversary. Everybody wish him happy anniversary. And, the, and he started to just piss himself laughing because it's just, we, you know, we act like it's his anniversary and he can't be there and let's all celebrate <laughs> and uh it was just but it was just a nice fun moment of uh taking the piss out of him right but he was cool about it too you know he just it just cracked him up but I, yeah it is funny that funny. you get these ideas like oh, i gotta do this joke every time it's not true anyway you know? sometimes it grows out of that thing though of uh i remember doing a tour on the melbourne comedy festival roadshow now this was in 1999 and they take sort of a composite group of people who've been at the Melbourne Comedy Festival on a tour of Australia around regional areas. Mm-hmm. So they'll take, you know, a couple of big international headliners on the tour. They'll take some people who are like, you know, well-established and they'll take a couple of sort of the newer faces. So it's a real sort of grab bag of the festival. Mm-hmm. So I was certainly on that tour as one of the new people, like, you know, very much one of the new people. And there was a lot of experienced people like Ross Noble was on the tour and uh, um, the headliner was an American comedian uh, called Keith Robinson. I don't know if you've yes. ever run into yeah, Keith. Yeah, of course, yes. And so the thing that you need to know for this story is Keith is black, right? This is the important part of this story. Because the first night of this entire tour, which was going to go for six weeks around all of Australia, was in the town that I was born in. Mm-hmm. So I am the first, other than the MC of the night, I'm the least experienced person on the bill. So I'm first on the on mm-hmm. the night. So I've gone out and done my like 10 minutes or whatever it was that I was doing on the show. Uh, but of course, I've opened with the fact that I was born in this town, you know, and then mm-hmm. put all my material through that filter. Of course you do, right? But what I didn't realize was, because I was the least experienced comedian on the bill, is that other comedians would find that hilarious. So the next act came out and also claimed they were from that town. Oh, and then yeah. the next act claimed they were from that town. Uh-huh. And then Keith Robinson, like the sort of, you know, archetypal, like, you know, blackest, coolest American dude you've ever seen in your life, walked out and just started his set by... Good to be home. (laughs) But then then he loved that so much that they wanted to do that every night on the tour. Oh, right. But, of course, I was the first – like, the first night I had been in the town that I was in. Yeah, yeah. But you can't – like, that's a harder joke to do the next night when I'm not – Right, Just to set up a good punchline. To set up him. (laughs) Just to set up him, like, two hours later. (laughs) Now, you've got to lie to people. Everybody's like, mate, I've I've never seen you in this town. Are you sure you're from here? 
One of the um, greatest things I ever got to do, there was a Canadian uh, comedy group called Corky and the Juice Picks. I don't know if you yes, yeah. of yeah. those Yeah, guys. yeah, yeah. If people have not heard of them, like Google some of their stuff. It was really – Yeah, they're f- great. Like particularly Sh- uh, Sean Cullen and Phil Nickel both do sta- like mm-hmm. stand-up in their own right still. Yeah. And, are both amazing acts, and um, I was the first time I ever did the Melbourne Comedy Festival. I was a new comedian, and uh, there was a venue in Melbourne called the Prince Patrick Hotel. And there was a great guy called Dave Taranto, who was like the guru of sort of Australian comedy. The guy who, yeah, would put it on a Bill Hicks night in town. The guy mm-hmm. who, like, he was the guy who knew comedy and brought good comedy to town. Yeah. And so he was running this, um, they did, uh, you know, 22 nights during the Melbourne Comedy Festival, but it was like a proper show at this venue with a support. And I got the support. So it was my first time ever doing a big deal. Mm-hmm. But they said I could only do the support for the shows if I would agree to one thing. Each night they would set me a challenge and I would have to do that challenge. And I was like, okay, well, that sounds terrifying but amazing right (laughs) Mm -hmm. so i really only had 20 minutes like the 20 minutes i was doing was my 20 minutes Mm -hmm. but every single night they would watch my show and they would set me a challenge beforehand so early on it would be quite simple stuff but by the end of the run it would be things like you have to fall over 10 times (laughs) and never mention to the audience why you're falling over Mm -hmm. (laughs) like and they would sit there and just watch it and see how well you would do (laughs) In this thing. And it's amazing how challenging it is when you're trying to tell your normal jokes. Right. But then you have to do something that you're not explaining to the audience. The audience kind of are confused by. Oh, that's you really have hard. To, it was hard, but it taught me like a lot mm-hmm. about being in the moment and trying to kind of challenge yourself and yeah. how you get out of it. And I mean, they were nice enough that early on when, you know, they let me get some confidence first. <laughs> right, but by, right, right. Right, you know, and by the end it was really tough stuff, but it was it was interesting. I've never done anything like that. Have you done anything like that? I've like done dares? stuff where everybody says, uh, you, you know, you do a show, maybe there's a few people on and, and everybody says something like, um, everybody's got to do this joke right. and uh, see if the audience uh-huh. catches. Like, why is he doing that joke? <laughs> or you've got to do a joke about something or you've got to do um, – I remember, but I was working back in in um, in Texas, and I was working with my a uh, couple of my friends, Gary, and uh, and this other guy, Sean, was opening, and me, we'd been out that day, and we'd been at the Target, and we were looking at shirts, and we saw, and it was Grandparent Day had just happened, so they had all these shirts on sale, w- world's greatest grandpa, mm-hmm. so we bought mm-hmm. three, uh, we I bought three of them, and and we made the opener wear one, and then the middle wore it, and then I wore mine. <laughs> But I think I had my coat on. <laughs> so halfway through, I took it off and it said, world's great. So the three of us have world's greatest grandpa shirts. And they nobody knows why. Yeah. Because none of us were grandpas. No. And uh, but it was just to us, it was just hilarious That's to funny. go. Will they get? Will they get this? And they did get it because they go. The first two blokes had world's greatest grandpa, and now he does too. But but why is it funny to anyone else? It was hilarious to us. It's funny to you. Yeah, it's all that matters. My uh, favorite prank that I heard of of that sort of thing was there was three Australian comedians in the sort of I guess the nineties, and they were probably the best three comedians in Sydney at the time. There was a guy called uh, uh, Gary Eck, and there was a guy called Anthony Murr, and a guy called Akmal Sali, and they did a tour together. And of the three, um, Akmal Sali probably has the more. He's uh, he's a um, now I, I want to get this. Uh, he's a, like a Christian, Egyptian, or a Coptic. Uh, anyway, like a Coptic, oh, Coptic Christian, Christian. Yeah, that's maybe. Egyptian. Yeah, I yeah. That's, I think that's right. right. 
And uh, so he has the more distinctive act mm-hmm. of the, you know, like it's clearly about that sort of thing and yeah. about being from Egypt and about like, you know, a lot of that sort of, you know, so his act is very identifiable. Mm-hmm. So it works with someone who is of, you know, that background and whatever. So on the last night of the tour, Anthony Murr, according to legend, who was the host of the night, just went out and did Akmal's entire act before he brought him up. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Which is hilarious for two reasons. <laughs> a, Akmal had nothing to do. Yeah. But B, Anthony Murr is not Egyptian. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 real, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Like, so he's doing this whole, the whole bit, like the entire act word for word on the last night of the <laughs> oh, tour no, right. before he brought him on. Oh, that's terrible <laughs> yeah. though. That's I mean, it's harsh. terrible, but, but I great. Mean, you know, but brilliant. I assume they were all friends by that point, you know what I mean? <laughs> but that would be so fucked up and then you'd have to go. Right. <laughs> but then you go up there, what do you do? What do you do? Did he go up and do his act? Right. Well, I don't think that he, like, Because he, he didn't know he, it. Like, he you didn't. have to pay attention, like, really attention to do somebody's right. act. I don't even know if I could do anybody's act. Right. I, could that's, you? I don't think I, I don't know if I could. I don't well, know. I don't think that I could either, but. I don't remember anybody's act enough. Maybe. Right. Right. But I guess I if you if you the thing is if you're on tour with somebody every night and every you're the night host. you would have enough of a, a thing to come up there and do. Oh, you couldn't do the whole thing, maybe, but right. uh, you could go up there and high. take the piss well, out of somebody for a couple of minutes. The other thing about that story is that I've only ever heard that story secondhand, so it could well be the most exaggerated story right. of all time. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, he could have done three minutes of his act. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but these days, yeah. it's like he did forty-five. He recorded an album. <laughs> <laughs> he still, still tours today. <laughs> it's still a lot to do, like three minutes or. Right. I mean, I, I mean, it would be really hard to do that. I think. I um uh, my fabulous uh, support act who tours with me most of the time in Australia is a guy called Justin Hamilton, who is a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant stand-up comedian. Um, and he's been touring with me for years. Mm-hmm. And so, but we'll do a lot of shows together. So there is a point, and I love to watch him every night because I think he's a fantastic comedian. And um, <laughs> one night I was in Perth and I was standing next to the uh, microphone that I had made the announcement to bring him on stage <laughs> with. And I was amusing the sound guy who was there. Uh, oh, not the sound guy, but like the the yeah the stage manager or whoever was to the in the wings there mm-hmm. by doing the act as Justin Ooh. was doing the act. <laughs> but what I didn't know was that for some reason the sound guy up the back of the room had managed to turn off the microphone so the audience could hear it, <laughs> but Justin was hearing it through the feedback speakers, oh, no. the no. feedback oh. speakers on the stage. Uh-huh. So he was. Essentially, just hearing me do harmonies with his routine. Oh, that's great! <laughs> as, as he did it <laughs> while he was doing the show. So I think I could have done his bit. It's I like think by the end boys. of the tour, I could have done his. Yeah, I, I heard about up in the up in the Bay Area after the earthquake in '89. They had a benefit at where whatever one of the venues, and all these musical acts came out and whatever. And two comics who I won't say who they were were backstage and they had a, basically the same thing. They had a mic and they were they were just making jokes about the musical acts and saying very inappropriate stuff. And what they didn't know is it was going out live on the radio. Oh, no. And Bill Graham was furious. Yeah. About he wanted to kill them and right. uh, never, even to his death, didn't know who it was. But I do. So, <laughs> but I won't say because, uh, because it, it, uh, it's a secret. I'll tell you off off the air. But. Well, we we want to hear the secret. So we are done. Um, we are the monsters of talk. Thank you so much to our wonderful guest, Will Anderson. I'm going to be there in Australia with you um, for many of those festivals. Yeah, we should hang out. Let's hang out because we should um, hang out. I need to. I Can need you to, do my podcast? 
What is it? It's, can you do my podcast? Yes, yes. I was going to ask you if I could do your podcast. Well, yours. you should do it. I would, I would like you to do I it. I would be so honored. All so, right, awesome. We, you know, we spoke – uh, did you hear the episode where you got a mention? No, no. Okay, so we uh, – anyway, it's a couple of weeks ago, uh, but um, there's an episode – I think it's up already – where we talk about how uh, we're going to be taken over by robots in the future, but they're all going to have – um, the personalities of famous comedians. Oh. <laughs> so uh, I decided I was going to have the Margaret Chobot. So, oh. <laughs> so uh, there is a I reference, but please come and do it. I would, I would love, love to. I would love to. And um, thank you so much for coming on. Well, people can find you on Twitter. Will underscore Anderson on Twitter and willanderson.com.au on uh, like the internet. And it's 1L. Will with 1L. That's all you need to know. And then you get to do like sets here. We get to have you for a couple more days and then you're going back to Australia. You do a big tour there. And then we're at, you're going to Edinburgh this year? No, I'm uh, producing a show in Edinburgh though. So if people are going to the Edinburgh Festival, um, my the show that I produce is called Fan Fiction Comedy. They're kids from New Zealand they are the most hilarious they're all like 21 22 23 I saw their show at the Auckland Comedy Festival a few years ago Mm. I loved it so much I produced it at the Melbourne Comedy Festival last year they are the most brilliant if you think like imagine Flight of the Concords when they were 21 and 22 and 23 they are so brilliant so the show is they write fan fiction pieces, comedy mm-hmm. fan fiction pieces. Mm-hmm. So every show they do a different one. And they're like, so we're having a Harry Potter theme night during the Melbourne Comedy Festival this year, but they do them about the most amazing things. They are hilariously brilliantly talented kids that one day, when they're all superstars, I'm going to sit around telling people who don't believe me I once was associated yeah, with them. Right. <laughs> That's how good they are. So That's if you wonderful. are going to Melbourne where they're performing, or if you're going to Edinburgh where they're performing, please go and check them out. I will go because I'll be there this year um too bad you're not gonna be there but i i was hoping that i because you go you go to that quiet you you go to england a lot i do so i'm doing a a month at the soho theater in the west end there in may Ah, so that's fun that's a fun theater yeah it's a great theater and um uh i wish i could go to edinburgh but my television show shoots in australia august september october so it always can see you in london at at the soho theater soho theater in may if you're listening in london the greatest venue and it's a whole month that's incredible yeah it's brilliant it's so wow it's so nice that venue well congratulations thanks so much and um you can follow us at monsters of talk you can follow jim at uh Jimmy Jimmy Shelter. At Jimmy Shelter. You can follow me at Margaret Cho. You can listen to us on SoundCloud and you can also subscribe to us on iTunes. We are the Monsters of Talk. Thanks for listening. <laughs>